Welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today I am so lucky to be joined by Charlie Robb, star of Here Comes Hell. Hello, Charlie. How are you doing? Hello, Brooker. I'm very well, mate. It's so exciting to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. It's my pleasure to have you on. Um, So just a little context for everybody listening. Charlie is a really awesome guy. I found your movie, Here Comes Hell, on Shudder about like, I think like a month ago, I found it. I was kind of just, I was needing to kill like a couple of hours while I was waiting on something. I was like, you know, I'll go on Shudder, see what I can find. Something, Something that's a really easy watch. And I came across this really fabulous, funny horror comedy that was, I found out later, it was only made for like 20,000 British pounds, which is just amazing to me that you got like an 80-minute movie out of that. Um, but, <laughs> so this movie, Here Comes Hell, um, was, it was just, I'll get into that later on in this discussion, but it was just fabulous. I thought it was very funny. Lots of very great horror inspiration that I saw in it. And one of the standouts in it was this character named Victor, played by you, Charlie Robb, and... <laughs> I just found Victor to be hilarious. He was definitely, I think, kind of like the heart <laughs> of, of the oh, movie. <laughs> and there's a lot of good, like, physical comedy, too, with it and everything. So um, you and I actually kind of linked up on Instagram. And um, I was just, man, I got to see if I could get this guy on. Because I also saw that you're an artist. I love your abstract paintings. They're so cool. And <laughs> you're telling you. me that you're you. getting involved in so many other uh horror and horror comedy projects so i was just like you know let's get him on let's talk about some horror let's talk about here comes hell so thank you charlie for coming on oh thank you so much what a, what a fantastic introduction as well i'm i'm honored and humbled and uh it's my it's my um it's my pleasure thank you so much for having me on and yeah i can't wait to talk about horror in general as well and also the film that you very kindly took the time to see and um uh yeah i i absolutely love horror films <laughs> and uh, I don't get the chance often to talk about them as much as I'd like. So this is really exciting for me. So thank you so much. Absolutely. So I guess let's go ahead and just start there with horror. Um, I mean, Here Comes Hell is obviously a um, horror comedy. But uh, so what, what's kind of your experience and your uh, relationship with horror? Oh, I have a, a just a, a really deep love and passion for horror. Um and uh, I said that a lot more romantically than I thought uh, would come out <laughs> of my mouth, but um, but it's true. There is a romance. Um, mm-hmm. I um, my dad got me into horror when I was when I was quite young. He grew up with the um, the the amazing wealth of horror that came out of the well the sixties, also the seventies and the eighties and the nineties when he was growing up. And so we had all these amazing VHSs and DVDs collected over time and. Um, I lived in in the in the countryside in England, quite far away from where my school was, and so um, I was a little bit behind on the sort of cultural zeitgeist growing up. But I was very well versed in horror films, and um, growing up, you know, a lot. You know, when kids would come back from school, they might stick on Friends or uh, or, or something, you know, quite normal and, <laughs> uh, and expected of the age. But you know, me and my younger brother and my dad would be getting stuck into Hellraiser or, uh, <laughs> you know, or Freddy and, uh, and, and uh, it really just enjoying the profound sense of being disturbed and, um, and sort of excited and enthralled by these, uh, this amazing genre of horror film. 
and um, and I, I was I, you know I, I I grew up. Lots of kids were reading Harry Potter. Obviously, it's you know it's Harry Potter. But I was I was a huge fan of Stephen King. Oh, and, nice. Uh, and uh, and I read so much Stephen King as a child growing up. And uh, yeah, I, I just I I love horror literature and film and uh, and and the scores behind horror films as oh, well. Yeah. I love. I was lucky enough to see John Carpenter perform in uh, in London in Shepherd's Bush last oh, year. That's so fantastic. Cool. Oh man, the thing being performed live and uh, Escape from New York just insane. It was so funny. The I'm crowd extremely jealous. Wild. Oh dude, yeah, you'd have absolutely loved it. Um, but yeah, so so ever since I was a small child, I I was growing up with with my dad. Sort of like you got to watch this. You got to see all these different amazing films coming up so definitely have a soft spot for films of the sort of 70s and 80s and uh and yeah and and so that's sort of where it where my love for horror first began oh that's awesome do so so some of those like i'm assuming like you said like a lot like the nightmare on elm street movies the jason movies uh like mm-hmm. some like the, the you know carpenter halloween movies do mm, yeah. um do you, so did that kind of like really shape kind of like your I know it made you like a horror fan, but like, are you still drawn to like slashers today? Or are you kind of more into like some like other types of horror? Um, yeah, that's, that's a really very interesting question because the subgenres of horror, I know that they have their different, their different battles and the different sides between, you know, oh, is, is, is Candyman a, a ghost story or a slasher or whatnot, etc. <laughs> um, and uh, I... Uh, I, I really wasn't aware of these subgenres growing up. I just loved the spirit of, of being disturbed and seeing films go to such lengths in gore and body horror and shock <laughs> and storytelling. Um, I have to say, I think one of my favourite movies of all time, and um, I suppose it's in the, in, the, in the horror genre, definitely in the vampire genre, is The Lost Boys. Oh, that's one of my top three films of all time because I just love um, I love the spirit in which it was made and it's hilarious and moving and it's uh, it's very you know cheesy and corny and in the right places and uh, so in terms of um, what I loved growing up I think yeah we, we loved sort of the shock appeal of body horror you know like the hostel films we loved uh, when they came out when we were teenagers and um, um, I love the sort of the atmosphere <clears throat> and the spirit of the 80s films like The Fog. I remember my dad showing me that and the, the soundtrack, the score was just so eerie and spooky to me, but, but hauntingly beautiful, you know, putting like pillows against the bottom of my bedroom door in case <laughs> the fog were to creep into my room at night. Um, and, um, but also like really appreciating the, the classicness of the Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing Dracula yes. films and the classic Hammer horrors as well, which oh, is perfect. There's so much cozy fun. weekend viewing, uh, really good fun. I think that's the thing. I think it's just there is a they don't take themselves seriously. There is so much passion and fun in them, and and the the suspenseful beats are so similar to comedy, which is my other great love and <laughs> and where my sort of my acting and and performance sort of began and. I love that overlap between horror and comedy and yeah, that spirit and that fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love, you know, kind of like seeing that like a convergence between horror and comedy because 
it's very similar in like in terms of like kind of like craftsmanship in a way because you're still having to really mm. build like this atmosphere or like this scene to trick your audience into some sort of extreme emotion you know either fear or laughter yeah and sometimes the fears cause laughter you know like if you watch them sometimes like when i watch a a movie and it really like a scare really got me i'll kind of laugh afterwards like wow i can't yeah. believe they got me like that <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. like whenever i watch the conjuring i kind of because that yeah. movie still scares me to remember how many times i see oh, it man. it gets me yeah. and it's all atmosphere and after the movie i'm kind of just like oh Connie, they did it again. I'm just like, you know, they, <laughs> they got me. That James Wan, that son of a bitch. He gets me every time. <laughs> I'm not again. Um, yeah, I, I mean, completely. There is like, that's the thing with going to see a, a horror movie in the cinema. There are shrieks and there's also like the reassurance, you know, we're all in the, in the lifeboat together and we're all like, oh, we made it through that one. Um, and that is just, what yeah. And the beats of, and the structure of horror films is so similar to, to comedy. You know, you have your setup and your punchline. Oh, you have yeah. to create, ratchet up that suspense and then deliver. Um, and it works, in a, as, you, as you said, um, in a very similar way to trigger a, a very strong, impulsive reaction. And it requires so much to do with timing, atmosphere, build-up. All these things you could apply to horror or comedy and and um you know that's why some of the best comedy films are, are, are probably ones with a strong horror vein in them um in my opinion anyway but um mm-hmm. uh yes no um yeah I, I i i have all sorts of different horror film titles going through my head right now <laughs> that i wish i could talk more about in terms of my favorites but Hopefully they'll just come out in in this chat. Yeah, I guess I'll just I let. I mean, my audience knows what are my favorites, just because I talk about them. But Scream is like one of my favorite movies. Yeah, uh, favorite oh, horrors. Um, it. It's just great because you know it, again, it's atmosphere. Um, it is funny as well, but it's also very scary. Mm. There's even some. I'll, my favorite aspect of it is the who done it part of it. Um, I do love mm. mystery. I love you know trying to spin mm. your wheels the whole movie and trying to like see if you could like pick up the clues or whatever because um yeah. my experience is that like that's kind of like where my uh love for horror sort of started it first started in mystery and it kind of escalated into where you know like this the scares you get from that and like the unknown um I, i've mentioned this before on here but um I, I i was kind of a scaredy cat as a kid and didn't i was always <laughs> fast you know i was always like morbidly curious about horror films but i never would watch them because i was too scared but i was always like very like i watched like ghost hunter shows and things like that but that was like it um and then yeah when i was in high school i read agatha christie's and then there were none which is you know yes. great whodunit murder mystery i was like oh, i was like man i just need to like Second. chase that i just need to chase that thrill some and then um i eventually got it <laughs> got into horror and um i watched like other horror movies and things like that but uh it wasn't until a couple years into it, I finally watched Scream, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing, because, you know, Scream is mm. a very meta and he- reference-heavy movie. I was like, I want to yeah. understand all of these references, and that's what I kind of, like, um, what got me sort of, like, hooked into this and wanting to explore this some more, and as you said, I loved that you mentioned, like, the, the Hammer films, like the, like, the Peter Cushing movies, um, yes. and Christopher Lee, because 
I love, I'm a sucker for the universal classic monster movies, like James Wales, like one of my favorite directors, um, uh, yeah. Frankenstein, Visible yeah. Man, Old Dark House, which is what yes. uh, Here Comes Hell is kind of influenced by. Yes, um, definitely. And then um, the I, I've been wanting to get into the Hammer movies, which are very, they're, they're similar, but they're different from the Universal movies. Um, besides just taking place in a different uh, time, uh, like I think they're like the 50s and 60s. Um, well, the Universal movies like the 30s and 40s. Um, mm. But I have seen Peter Cushing's uh, The Mummy when Christopher Lee was the mummy in that. And yes, yeah. <laughs> you watch that and it's so great because, again, it's all like atmosphere and you can really see, because to me, The Mummy from 1959 with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, it's kind of a slasher prototype because... Um, mm. The, the mummy itself is kind of a slasher villain because uh, yeah. he, he, well there's no stabbing really but he does you know like manhandle people in it yeah. and there are these great moment of, te- of terror where there's like a invisible ticking clock where there's a person stuck in a room and the mummy's trying to break in and you're trying to see if they could you know bust out the window in time and it's I don't know when I was yeah. watching that I was like man this is like this is where like people Deep inside certain horror fans, there is that crave for like a slasher movie. This is like where this is triggering that yes. for in, <laughs> influencing something. I could really see all of that, and that. so yeah, I, I completely love going... agree. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and and that's that slow moving um, dread that <laughs> comes in in your in your mummy and also in your um, uh, your early Frankenstein's as well. Is is there is such a great precursor to your. Um, slow-moving, calm, cold, Jason and uh, and Mike Myers, and uh, yeah, that's such an interesting connection that I never I never thought of before. Um, but yeah, oh man, those movies are great. They're so fantastic. Yeah, like I love them too. Now, if you don't mind me asking, um, how? So, when did you get into acting? Um, I got into, uh, I've always loved acting ever since I was a kid at, at school, uh, in, in England we call them primary schools, elementary school I suppose is what you mm. call them, um, and I loved doing little skits in uh, morning assemblies and things like that, and then going to secondary school, um, a group of my, I, I went to a boarding school, and a group of my mates, uh, we would just write sketches, comedy sketches, and perform them for our boarding house or in different assemblies in school and we really loved um, the drama club not only because it was at the girls school so it actually meant we got to physically see girls and, and, <laughs> and, and talk to them and, uh, and, uh, and that was a lot more interesting than joining the cadets at school so um, it was really nice to be a part of the drama club and, and make some good friends through that and did lots of plays and, and Shakespeare and musicals at school. And then going to university, um, uh, it was uh, a university that was pretty, pretty well known for its comedy scene. Um, and uh, it, there I, I met one of my, well, my best friend called Doug. Uh, and uh, Doug went to a college down the road from, from me. And we, uh, yeah, we started writing our own plays and comedy sketch shows. And we'd, we'd take them up to um, a big theatre and comedy festival called the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is in, in Edinburgh every year. And uh, it's an ama- if you love theatre and fringe theatre and 
anything from comedy to burlesque to <laughs> whatever um go there you'll see like seven shows in one day and have loads of beers it's fantastic definitely um, anything so that just... requires a lot of stage presence yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um so we, we did lots of shows there and uh, uh and that was really fun we had a great time worked with some great theaters um got really on board with um lots of great sort of different producers and things um the uh one of our great friends olivia who um produced one of my comedy shows up at edinburgh fringe uh her friend jack mchenry from school uh-huh. was uh was directing his first debut feature he said it's going to be like a sort of black and white sort of british classic sort of horror comedy about a, a group who attend a dinner party and there's a seance and it goes really, really badly. Um, you know, would, would you be interested in playing one of the comedy parts? And I said, yes, yeah, so that sounds really fun. Sounds very interesting. And uh, I've all, it's been my lifelong dream to be in a horror film, uh, <laughs> having loved watching them for so many, so many decades. Um, so that's how sort of the link happened between the comedy writing, performing that I did throughout school uni and and then after uni um and the transition into film happened um because yeah there's this the the producer of my comedy show is also producing here comes hell and um and that was a very lovely lovely thing to step into i also doug and i have have made our own production company called sans comic and we we make yeah yeah um we make we, we started that um around the time that we moved to London in 2017, living in a, in a flat together. And um, we were making loads of comedy sketches, which we'd put online and little short films and things, just really taking the things that we loved about performing comedy and learning about how to put that in camera. And there is a big difference because we were so um, so used to live comedy mm-hmm. performances in a room with people we were like okay now we've got this amazing tool called the camera lens and how do we how do we get the joke right how do we present it right and so that has been an interesting thing and sam's comic has been wonderful for that and uh and yeah and sam's comic will hopefully be making um some films in the future and maybe um a horror comedy film fairly soon we shall see um, we'll save that for later <laughs> can't wait to get into that um now you you provided me a perfect segue to talk about here comes hell but... i can't help it brooker i'm just a natural conversationist <laughs> uh, it's oh, gosh i wish i could be more difficult but it's just impossible um yeah sorry <laughs> oh my I just have to, i'm about to have a sip of tea now so if there's any slurping uh, dear listener i, I apologize okay, sorry <laughs> Well, while Charlie's on a tea break, um, sorry, yeah, I will uh, kind of, I guess, lay down the groundwork for Here Comes Hell for those that haven't seen this movie. Uh, so Here Comes Hell, uh, at least according to IMDb, uh, was released in November of 2019. This was directed by Jack McHenry, as you mentioned, and it was written by Jack McHenry and Alice Sidgwick. Did mm-hmm. I say that yeah. last name right? Sidgwick? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this movie stars uh, Jessica Weber, Timothy Renoff, Tom... Bailey, Margaret Clooney, and our own Charlie Robb. Uh, <laughs> and as you said, this is, that's, uh, you pretty much summed it up very well. It's a 1930s dinner party that goes wrong. Um, 
and because of a seance. It's a very apt way of of explaining it. Um, when I was on Letterboxd, I was uh, I loved how a lot of people described it as if Agatha Christie wrote The Evil Dead. Um, <laughs> and I feel yeah, like that's that's pretty fair. It is, and this um, I do love the, the 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 nice homage to the the classic Hollywood or I guess like British film making. Um, you know black and white i thought like worked really well the kind of very like uh showtimey music that's in it um it, it was just great and there was like lots of parts in it that um like felt very william castle like um mm. the the thing that really stuck out to me about that was in the very beginning you have the host that's warning you to not watch this movie because it's too scary um you know asking <laughs> pretty much basically all the chickens to leave the room and that's yeah. that's very william castle-esque and i kind of love little nods like that because horror is a genre that is um not i don't want to say eating itself but it's a genre that is always kind of tipping its hat to its predecessors um yeah absolutely completely agree with that and i think that that's it's a lovely part of the the horror culture and the horror fandom is you are looking for those little little you know as you say tips of the hat back to the the greats that that inspired it and uh no horror film would be complete, I think, without those satisfying little little references. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and as I said, this feels like if Agatha Christie wrote The Evil Dead. Um, spoilers, <laughs> by the way, for people listening f- for this movie. I don't think I've given a spoiler warning yet, but uh, it's kind of hard to not <laughs> talk about. It's kind of hard to t- talk about this movie without getting into like specific plot details. But um, it, yeah. uh, the the Evil Dead esque. Of <laughs> of this movie comes from a seance that goes wrong, and um, we have our medium, Madame Belrose, who becomes possessed mm-hmm. by uh, I, I can't tell if she's possessed by Ichabod Quinn or she's just possessed by an evil spirit. Uh, <laughs> either way, she, yeah. she 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 becomes very much like a deadite from Evil Dead, and kind of. Yes. Kind of like the same rules. When she bites someone, they become a dead eye as well. Um, <laughs> and it was just so fun and goofy and campy. But also, there were some good moments of tension. Um, yeah, my uh, fiance did have an audible gasp, like from like one of the jump scares in this. Um, but uh, <laughs> excellent. It, it was. It's just so much fun. It's a very wild night, um, and it has some of the things that I love. It's a group of people stuck inside a house. We're stuck inside one location. Um, and that's something I was actually going to ask. Was this like actually filmed in a house or is this all a set? Yeah, no, it was filmed in a, in a real house. Um, a place called Reevesby Abbey, I think, in Lincolnshire, um, which is a, a, a sort of in the sort of Midlands, east of England. And um, it was a real... A mansion house that was falling apart, completely dishevelled, oh, wow. and this family bought it, um, and uh, in order to to sort of do up to renovate, to the point where they could um, have have it as a filming set for for things like Downton Abbey, but and and this is what's very clever is that they were getting money from horror shoots to film there because it was so creepy and run down and gothic and falling apart it was mm-hmm. a perfect horror location so they were using that taking advantage of of the disarray it was in and then slowly building it up over time to reach 
what they were doing. So, um, so cool. Yeah, it was, and it, honestly, mate, it was, it was an unbelievable star of the film, the house that we were in. <laughs> really was. I believe it was, it, yeah, and it was, um, you know, it's, I don't know if you've been to any of these sort of like um, big stately homes in England. There's a uh, an organisation called. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that I'm, I'm not. Yeah, there's there's loads of there's they're, they're all dotted around the country, and they're yeah, there are loads of these um, like lovely historic stately homes around England which are taken care of by different organisations and, and people can pay a you know a tenner to go in and have a look around it, it was like that but that had just like gone into the the upside down and it was like um, roofs like falling apart like animals living in the rafters oh, and, but still had all this historic beauty and gothic beauty about it and it was amazing and um, I think it was an RAF base in the in the Second World War, so oh, wow. you know we were we were told not to go walking around because it was quite dangerous with, you know, floor boards potentially being rotten and falling through. But we'd have a little explore, and there were these, you know, this sort of dungeony caverns beneath the grounds underground where we did a lot of great, great scenes down there, and there was very very spooky graffiti on the walls of like bomber planes and and pilots Whoa. who had signed their names so that was very morbid and, and quite scary too but um it was a it was a yeah it was a, a a very haunting place very beautiful and we could not have been in a in a better environment to shoot that is this amazing. particular horror film oh that's amazing. so cool Loved i know it. i would love to like ex- i mean <laughs> i know i would have the curiosity to kind of like explore something like that um, that's so cool. So you, as you described, you kind of were, you know, trained for, you know, you did a lot of your stuff, you know, was like plays and on stage and very theatrical. How, how does, you know, going from that to like shooting in like an actual house, that's not like a set, does that, um, does one environment influence or help your, I don't know, getting in the mindset or anything? Um, I think that, um, the film itself is, is leaning towards the theatrical side of it anyway it's uh it's True. not your sort of ver- verite sort of gritty down to earth sort of uh psychological horror there's a lot of supernatural and theatrical elements and uh uh and so though it was a bit like being in a sort of a Noel Coward play particularly Blythe Spirits which was a, a big influence for the film as well um, which we all watched together as a group. We'd go round and read the script at, at Jack and Olivia's house in uh, South East London and they'd stick on a, a film that we needed to watch and um, one was Evil Dead, of course, and one was Blythe Spirits. Um, so that sort of like that cut glass British accent and, and, and slightly sort of stilted 30s acting in all of the like the dinner party get up uh, and it f- and the set very much felt like a theatrical set because it was something that we're not used to and was very grand. So mm. there was a lot of the, the play elements sort of there and particularly, you know, a lot of scenes in different rooms. So it was a bit like the sets changing between scenes and, um, and, uh, and letting like whole set pieces play out in, in you know, one takes or things like that so I feel like it was it was a nice way to get into sort of screen acting and and 
and the film and filmmaking process um, because of there's theatrical elements, yeah. So just knowing that this house was actually, you know, saw World War II, and like you said, there was like the graffiti and the signatures. I, um, well, I guess in the 1930s, World War II wouldn't have happened yet. But um, <laughs> uh, so the late 1930s, the it, late it 1930s. Was off. Uh, I, I guess so. Basically, I don't know if my question makes sense anymore now. But what I was going to ask was because Victor, I believe that he kind of came into some inheritance, and that's like why he bought this house. Um, mm. So I kind of wonder if like that kind of played into his sort of like the mindset or like his like attitude towards things kind of like you know there's this very historic house with a lot of history and like really important history to it mm. um that's like oh i could just buy that and like that's like the mm. cares like oh i want to own that and like this is kind of like instead of like i want to own it and throw a dinner party there instead of like trying to preserve it for the historical value that it represents um, mm. Just because in a lot of like the characters and like uh, Victor, Christine, and Freddie are very kind of like kind of like higher class and you know uh, kind of throw their ambitions to the wind or whatever and kind of are just they're focusing on getting to the next drink and the next dinner party, not so much of having to deal with everyday things, kind of like what Elizabeth, our final girl, is you know being a secretary. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wonder if. Um, did anything about like the importance of that house, whatever, kind of play into how you thought that Victor should treat the place or anything? Um, that's a weird question. That's a, I'm sorry. I, no, it's it's an excellent question, and I think that also probably maybe I, I should um, talk a little bit more about the sort of the background of the characters too a bit more. But um, so essentially, for the for the listener who might not have seen the film yet, my character Victor, he is he is essentially a bit of a pot idiot. And he um, he uh, is enormously wealthy. He's in, he's inherited a lot from his late father, and he appears to be bouncing around different um, high expense hobbies essentially. And he uh, buys this house. Um, I think it's kind of a flashy statement that he's making because it is very grand, but just like him beneath the surface it's a total shit show it's a mess mm. and um and um he uh, this is this is tied in terms of the historical aspect of the house in the film the house um is uh pr- was previously owned by a man called Ichabod Quinn who uh dabbled uh, to devastating uh, consequences in the occult and in the dark arts and it's Victor's idea to invite his friends over, uh, Christine, his sister, played by Margaret Clooney, uh, Freddie, who is a professional tennis player who's having a bit of a, a tough time on the court, uh, played by Tim, and um, a Texan, played by Tom Bailey, <laughs> who is uh, hilarious and uh, might, uh, you know, uh, appeal to the American audiences as well, seeing one of their own in there. And uh, and Elizabeth you, you, you use appeal who... lightly. I don't know about. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, well, I don't know. Maybe, um, but um, but no, and um, uh, and and Elizabeth, who is a secretary for um, uh, solicitor, a a solicitor. That's right. And he and she is the fiance of of Freddie Tim's character. And they come over, and it's clear that 
we all have our problems and insecurities. Uh, myself and Christine and Freddie are all incredibly narcissistic and um, elitist and ephemeral. And uh, the, uh, the Texan character played by Taz, he is still clearly in love with, with Christine. He has a massive chip on his shoulder about um, being a sort of inheritor of a, this this oil company and uh, the only really down-to-earth person is our final girl, Elizabeth. Um, so um, those are our characters and the seance that happens is very much my character taking the dark arts very lightly, appropriating it as a sort of dinner party game as so so much of, the, of British quote-unquote culture was at the time was appropriating cultures and things that not really was understood in a very sort of frivolous and what a what a diverting dinner party sort of theme this would be um you know borrowing things from cults all over the world and and sort of being like ah oh, wouldn't this be funny over dinner next and so that's the sort of i sort of possibly a deeper darker sort of horror maybe i'm going too deep into it no. but um about the the attitude to things that shouldn't be meddled with when they're not properly understood. And that's exactly what happens. It's um, this, this seance is not understood. Uh, what happens is uh, the sort of that, yeah, that, that comeuppance for, for the hubris of the character. Um, I've rambled for a very long time. No, no, no. You're <laughs> so totally I apologize. Fine. But in terms of like linking that the house and the history and the value and Victor's character, I think it's all sort of tied together in um, this sort of spirit of ephemerality and capriciousness of um, doing things for sort of a surface fun, but not understanding the, the darkness beneath it. And that is true of the house. It's true of the history of the house and the film. And it's sort of true of Victor's character as well. If that, yeah, no, that no, answers. absolutely. Um, I, I loved how you s- said that. How like it's the house itself is kind of like a metaphor for Victor. Yeah. You yeah. know, very. It looks structurally sound, right, on the outside, but once you get inside, it is a wreck. Um, it's a wreck, and it's not supportive, and it's not sustaining. Exactly. Vic- Victor is is this character who is just eating away at a pile of money that he was being he has no discernible skill or talent or ambition um but it's just falling falling apart slowly by mm-hmm. slowly and it's, it is just like the house yeah it, um I, it's really good i kind of i guess i'll go ahead and get into because you kind of just laid out the character so nicely for me the and use this as like how i kind of feel like that metaphor could work for most of the characters here um too because mm-hmm. The, one of the parts of the movie that I like a lot is when you give you give a very hilarious line delivery of flee and like <laughs> when uh, so Madame LaRose becomes kind of like this headless monster kind of and yes. um, she's chasing y'all and you know you scream flee which is just, and the camera like zooms in on it's just I don't know it's just great it, I just laugh because so, it wasn't like run it wasn't scatter it was flee I don't know. <laughs> so everybody goes off into their separate ways. And each of you, yeah. what I really liked about getting to see everybody individually deal with their own demons was that, um, as you, I felt like it all kind of still goes back to what this house is like. Um, mm. Because uh, Victor, George, and Christine, 
all were having, in my opinion, like their fears all rooted internally. Um, Victor is, his fear to me is stemming from disappointing his late father um, and the way he's been spending his money. George, his, his fears are of rejection and being rejected by Christine, and that's who he faces. Um, and Christine herself, she has this fear of feeling insignificant. Um, and mm-hmm. that, like, she, she, she states that she likes not needing to work, but I, at least from, like, the context clues or whatever I'm getting, my interpretation was that that leads her to feel insignificant. That's why she has to belittle people like Elizabeth that do work mm. um and yeah. because she feels very small because there is that you know little um special effects of her shrinking in the room sort with of them. the alice in wonderland moment yeah where she shrinks down yeah exactly yeah. so i love how to me like all of those were just very much internal fears that they all had against again how you described his house is crumbling on the inside while elizabeth her her fear is something very external she's having to fight off and kill freddie um and that's because she has sound, she has sound structure <laughs> on the inside. Mm-hmm. While she does have some, yeah, uh, she does have some like imposter syndrome. As her and Freddie have this conversation in the car on the way to the house, about how she, I, she's kind of really alluding to how she doesn't feel like that she would fit in with these people. Um, but she's kind of realizing that she sticks, she sticks up for herself to Christine. You know, she does. She, she is assertive she, and she we do see her make decisions and stick up for herself so she does have sound integrity and so that's why her yeah. fears aren't stemming internally like the rest of them hers is very much external which is yeah a deadite basically that's um, so true and that's that I, yeah that's absolutely right and uh she she's the only one with a sort of with a sort of backbone and uh, throughout the film and um she becomes the leader ultimately and uh um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Those those sort of personal demons that that are coming from the others, um, because they're sort of less virtuous or or are, are wrestling with something quite quite big. Um, it was it was really fun to see and and film those individual scenes. And it's it's a nice moment for the, the sort of like because it's an ensemble cast that there's. No particular star, I don't think, but it was nice to have individual moments as well, and it's a it was a really nice way to sort of hint at those personal stories as well. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I love that. And each had like its own flavor, like not just by like what 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 the literal action is, but each of them was kind of shot and edited in a very kind of like unique way. I think. Um, yeah. Like uh, I mean. The one that was probably the most unique was Christine's. Um, besides mm. her shrinking, just you, th- the three men in the room, you, um, Freddie and George, that were in there, there was a lot of, you know, like, stop motion's not right, but, you know, a lot of, like, hard cuts. Like, we don't get to see your heads turn. They're, they're just yeah. already turned and things like that. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, I don't know the vernacular of what to call that. but <laughs> Neither do I. That sounds very convincing. So, but yes, I agree. It was, it was, it was very unsettling. Um, so I just kind of love how each of them had their own unique flavor and everything. But uh, And, again, I wasn't really tying it back to how the house is a metaphor for everything until you brought it up. Um, so I kind of love being able to tie that into my own theory. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I just sort of thought of it now. Um, but <laughs> no, um, that's, 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 I think you're absolutely spot on there. And um, 
yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was really fun to take a moment to also to watch those scenes being filmed as well. That's so much of the, the filmmaking process was so, was just such a wonderful learning point. And mm-hmm. so, um, and so lovely that it was with all of our friends watching. So to, to be behind the camera and watching your mates have their moment, it was very special too. That's really awesome yeah. to hear that y'all were, you know, friends in this. Because um, yeah. that's what I was wondering if y'all, you can answer it, but if y'all knew each other beforehand or this was kind of like a getting to know each other kind of process. Um, but It was a bit of, it was a bit of both. So as I said before, I, I, I was invited uh, sort of into, into the film by the producer, Olivia, one of my dearest friends, and she produced my comedy show and uh, the team came to see the show and were like, yeah, he'd be great to play Victor, which was very kind of them. Um, but no, it's turning up at their, at their house in Denmark Hill in, in London and, uh, and meeting, you know, Tim and Margaret and all these great people who I absolutely adore and, and love. And, and I think that was one of, I think this is one of the reasons why the film has, has, has sort of captured a lot of people's hearts, really. It's, it's not a, like a, a massively commercial successful film and um, it, it's a very small little low budget film, but everyone in it was was a really good friend of each other and um it 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 was made with a lot of passion and and a lot of friendship and i think that sort of made its way into the spirit of the film and uh uh yeah it's just a very fun process the whole process of making it was the best experience of my life even though you're you're in in this house that's falling apart i'm just kidding but yeah oh man totally (laughs) and i feel Oh yeah, honestly, I loved it, and we'd go ghost hunting. Like when it was like oh. cut, everyone had like half an hour. We were like, let's go down to the dungeons. No lights. Let's see what we can find. And um, it was pretty spooky. Not gonna lie. Sadly, <laughs> didn't see um, any anything poltergeisty or anything like that. But it it, it was very cool. But the girl, the the girls, Margaret and Jess, they were in um, like backless ball ground ball gowns uh, in the film. We filmed this in January in England. Uh, so it was snowing, oh, and the, wow. there was no roof on the house. Oh my god! So, yeah, they're bloody hard as nails because they were not shivering, or even showing goose pimples during the takes. That's how good at acting they are. And I it was, was like, say, cut, I could and they see, were like, yeah, I could see your breath when you were talking during the dinner. Yeah, and I was like, man, I wonder how cold it was on set. But all the breath crap. was real. That wasn't CGI. We were freezing our bollocks off. And that's what like is so important in in that practical filmmaking aspect is like when it's cold you want to see the breath you want to you want to feel that texture, um, and that was like that's why the movie is also just so fun to make and to see is because it was like ninety percent all practical, and, uh, and because it wanted to be made with that spirit of sort of old timey you know horror yeah. horror filmmaking. So yeah, the breath is real. Like the the props and the blood is all sort of like, you know, hand pumped and and whatnot. Um, but yeah, no, the, the the it was absolutely freezing, and we were filming from like half five to in the morning to about seven, and um, the girls were in wow. these like uh, very elegant ball gowns, but bare shouldered, bare backed, and like how they managed to like just get through the day, let alone deliver those performances, is is amazing. Um, yeah, uh, truly great. Wow. Yeah, I know I would have been a giant baby 
on, on this. I know I would have. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's yeah. That, well, I was so fair enough. <laughs> well, huge credit to uh, Jessica and Margaret. If you don't mind, I was going to talk about one of my, I think my favorite scene from this movie with you, which was the, um, the, the seance part of this movie. And what I loved about the seance scene is that it was incredibly atmospheric. Um, and I love that. Mm, yeah. So we're all, all the characters with uh, Madame LaRose are sitting around this table and the lights are out. There's just a candle. And I think my favorite thing about it is that the camera is just spinning around the table instead of just like cutting to each character's face. So it was so honestly, it was so cool to just kind of see because all of y'all were doing, I thought just amazing, like face acting, like, you know, just <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I mean, it was so cool just to see y'all kind of reacting to Adam LaRose and like this weird knocking that's coming from somewhere else in the house. that you can't tell where it's coming from. And just seeing kind of like the, growing concern on some of you and and just just through like the spinning and um it was just i i loved it because the instead of like cutting to everyone the spinning kind of like really kept the audience in the moment and this whole scene is is devoid of music there's no score going on here it's just the quietness of the house madame LaRose, and this occasional knocking and mm. I, it, I don't know i just loved it because it was a good atmospheric horror scene really and it was very spooky and it ends before i think madame morose passes out at this point but like there's a when it when we stop spinning it ends on i can't remember two characters i think it was you and freddie and behind you two is that very spooky picture or portrait of ichabod quinn and that is yeah at first like when you first revealed that picture i was like i wasn't scared of it but like after this and it's just there in between y'all that was very spooky and i don't know it was i just first time watching it i was just like getting so giddy i was like this scene is amazing and it's just because y'all's very subtle face acting and just i just love that we're kind of spinning around staying in the moment not cutting and losing or having to you know readjust to like a new shot or perspective or anything it was so cool yeah yeah oh man i love that you said that because that is one of the standout scenes for me as well just also remembering acting in the film too um it was very spooky to do because (laughs) we were literally you know holding hands sitting around a table with a candle calling out to spirits in yeah the the spookiest residence i'd ever been in um (laughs) so it, it was pretty spooky to do and you're like is this actually are we going to be incredibly meta here as a film set and accidentally summon something could this oh potentially happen um is this actually a found footage did. movie i'm about to be a part of it's actually <laughs> yeah margaret got possessed it was it was, it was a whole <laughs> pr nightmare but um no it was it was brilliant to do and that like jack mchenry is just such a great director he has such a brilliant visual mind and uh he's so well-versed in cinema and he knows he just knew exactly what he was doing and we and um it's also one of those things in like with a low budget film that we had um you have to sort of be incredibly creative with your resources and also the time so having you know 
one shot, two shot, or you know, reverse shots between different actors around that scene would have taken forever because that's changing lights, that's that's sorting mm. out, you know, redoing makeup and stuff like that. Or Jack sits in a wheelchair that we had, oh, and is pushed around holding the camera um, because we didn't have enough time to set up a proper, you know, um, dolly track, and it was just brilliant because it's so simple. And it's really like, you know, cutting through the Gordian knot and carrying on with your journey. It was like, we won't fiddle around for ages. We're going to come up with a great, creative, efficient solution to this. That is also going to be incredibly stylish. And and that's what he did. And, and that's why he's brilliant. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. And that whole shot where you just, you get caught up in it. And that's the thing. You literally are, you are part of that spiral going into this next world, this you're spiraling into the mistake. Oh, because um, we do see that vortex later on. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. we do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a really cool shot, and I'm I'm really glad that you liked it as well. Yeah, it was that was like one do. of the standout things to me. It's like, wow, this is just this is just awesome, and that's so cool. I, I was wondering how I assumed it was maybe a dolly or some poor person has had to like run. I don't know, but I, <laughs> I was wondering how, <laughs> how they did that. <laughs> but yeah, that's so cool. It's a, a wheelchair. Um, uh, you know, just got to make do with what you have. Yeah. That's so cool, though. Um, and uh, I'm also glad to hear that you really like that, too. Um, were there any parts that you particularly really enjoyed shooting? Or was there anything that, like, you kind of, like, was, like, pulling teeth for you on this? <laughs> um, I'm very happy to say there was no pulling teeth, which is great. <laughs> good. Um, it was all really, really good fun. Um it was all. It was also my first film, so I was just soaking up everything that I could and and loving every moment of it. I I I I think that I loved the whole whole cast moments. So that moment where we try to run a, away from the séance and try to leave, and I think uh, George, the character George, he takes out his gun and tries to shoot the lock and the bullet ricochets off. And we do the Scooby-Doo moment of following the whole cast, like as an ensemble, following the, the bullet that as it knocks over like a, a portrait and, you know, it's it a candelabra. It hits I think a, it hits a, 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 yeah. Yes, a candlestick or whatever. Like doing set pieces with the whole ensemble is so great because it was so theatrical and, that I, and, and rehearsed and so fun to do and it look it does it looks so great um the way that they edit it after so i think moments where we were all together doing doing stuff and you know and, and we were playing that sort of we were faced with the madame belrose deadite uh, and <laughs> we were playing like the sort of grandmother's footsteps like creeping backwards trying not to make a noise and it was all like it was funny it was atmospheric it was great to do all together so I think scenes like that, I think for me, were, were the most fun. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear <laughs> that. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't share with you what was like the biggest laugh to me. Um, yeah. I think it was, I'm having trouble remembering when this scene actually happens, but I think it's right before y'all decide to go do the seance, I think. And uh -huh. um, your character, Victor, says, let's recharge our drinks. And the scene stops dead for you to... Uh, slowly fill up your glass of wine all the way to the rim, <laughs> and I it was just it was just so great because y'all were like getting really energized to go do the seance I believe and the scene just stops dead for you to slowly fill up your, your glass 
I don't know. It was just really, let's recharge our glasses. And I don't know. And it got a huge kick out of me. And just the, the concentration in your eyes when you're filling up, it, it just really tickled me. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. And um, that was, you know, it's important to have an enormous glass of red wine filled to the brim before you dabble in any uh, right. raising of raising of hell. Um, no, that was that whole dinner party scene was really, really funny to do. It was very goofy. I love dinner party uh, like set pieces and um, uh, environments for good comedy and good tension and good story character building and. Yeah, that was a little improv moment that <laughs> I just decided to go for. Um, oh, really? Um, I'm glad that it stayed in. <laughs> yeah, me too, because like, like I said, it was like one of like the best laughs for me the first time I watched it, because the scene just stops dead. Um, <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> also, about my fiancé and I last night watching this, um, we're, I was we're really laughing at the, um, George char- the, the George character, the American because there's a yeah. lot of like uh, gun jokes with him uh, about like do you, uh, you know, do you always bring a gun to a dinner party and then he like unloads like two clips into Madame LaRose. and I think Elizabeth goes how much ammunition did you bring to this party <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like this 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 guy who apparently just has so much firepower like hidden around his costume um, yeah that was really cool I think like I in my I think Taz like did so much good stuff for that character and uh he was he had to wear that mustache and that beard for many 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 months and he had to put up with a lot of uh a lot of a lot of pressure i believe from his girlfriend to get it shaved and uh <laughs> possibly potentially some passerbys in the street laughing at him but no oh. he um he did a great job he was very cool with the whole like because he is the gun toting hero of the film and he uh, he, um, he like all the the gun stuff that he did and and was taught was really cool to see and and watch and yeah but no like those gun jokes are hilarious and yeah um, very silly. It, I couldn't tell if it was a joke or not, but I kind of found it like oddly funny or at least interesting that like the second the gun is out of the American hands, he gets shot with it by accident. <laughs> oh yeah, we we don't know what we're doing. I don't know if it's it's. I know for I, I'm pretty sure it's not deliberately uh poking fun at other um, you know americans <laughs> we don't think that every american has a gun do you have a gun uh yes yes I... <laughs> well i uh, guess i'm wrong um i didn't purchase it uh it was a graduation gift but yeah um that's a very do you know what i got as a graduation gift hmm. um, um i think uh a, i think a, i think just a bowl of pasta at a restaurant um which which <laughs> isn't useful in a battle it's very you're the first american that i've actually spoke spoken to not ever i have spoken to americans before but about this this character in the film it's very interesting to get your perspective on it because also we 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 i don't think we know many texans so we don't know this is an an accurate portrayal but uh, everything is very over the top in general like i i don't know any any British people who are like Victor, really. And um, <laughs> so I hope that the over-the-top portrayals uh, have sort of, yeah, are taken with a little bit of a... Oh, yeah, no, it, it, it's, yeah. All, it's all good uh, tongue-in-cheek. There were some... Good. There were some... Uh, well, things, it wasn't so much of us, like, watching it and complaining as us going, 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it 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 do be like that for some people here. Um, <laughs> uh, but there was just he had a lot of like really interesting uh, f- phrases in the movie, and some stuff I haven't heard of before. Um, and maybe maybe these are actual phrases I just haven't been exposed to them. But like he he, it's in the opening of the movie. He's on the train. He's and he. Uh, He's talking to this guy. If he like offers him some whiskey, and he goes, "Care for a gut warmer?" And I was just like, "What the fuck? I haven't heard of gut that. warmer." <laughs> yeah, I mean warmer. that's, I like, that's it's just great. totally. It's more he he's he's more of like this is a cowboy. This isn't yeah. This isn't a Texan. This isn't an American. This is like this is specifically a, a cowboy with these ridiculous sayings, uh, which are really funny, and we found hilarious. Um, because he's also like this cartoon of masculinity and <laughs> like and, and and ruggedness and um, and so yeah, gut warm was hilarious. What's there's like something a line that he says I think which is like just because a chicken got wings don't mean it can fly and yeah. or something like that. And it's just like what, and we we're like what the hell does that even mean? And how is that useful? <laughs> Um, yeah, so like he, the very like funny ridiculous character also what like is... the rest of us. The the actor that played him, Tom Bailey, was was he American or was he British? He'll be so happy to hear that you've said that. He's British. Okay. And uh, and that and yeah, and uh, he uh, he um, I think he worked very hard to uh, uh, to get the accent right, and we all think he did a good job. Um, but yeah, no, he's British. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I honestly I I couldn't tell. I'm also awful with accents and dialects, <laughs> but. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it worked enough on me, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic, <laughs> uh, man. So yeah, this is just such a fun movie. I really do encourage people to check out "Here Comes Hell." Um, it's on Shutter. It's also on uh, IMDb TV for free. If people want to watch, check it out. Um, it, it's a really great, fun time. A great romp. Um, but oh man, there's just like I said, like there's just so many good jokes in this uh, that we talked about, and I loved how you can even get deep with it. Like we talked about all the characters and like their fears that they um, have, and yeah. how the movie plays off that. How how you so eloquently put how the house is a metaphor for so much of it, and it's just so much fun. Um, I I'm really excited to. It, I, please let me know if I'm leaving anything on the table that you want to touch on for Here Comes Hell. Um, I'm just trying to think about what else I could possibly say about Here Comes Hell. Um, all I can say is to the the dear listener right now <laughs> is that go check it out. It is really good fun. I think it's a great film to have a drinking game with as well because mm-hmm. we drink a lot in the film. We even once thought, would it be even possible, humanly possible to have our actual alcohol during all of our drinking scenes and i think we counted it up and it was like we're looking into the hundreds of drinks and we just yeah. couldn't be doing that and if you times like each shot that you see by five because that's like the average takes oh wow we're talking about like each character having like a thousand drinks and <laughs> we were like yeah we can do it but then obviously no we couldn't but you can there's so much great booze being consumed throughout the film. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I just like imagined uh, George doing so many takes of the care for a gut warmer, but he progressively is getting absolutely. more and more intoxicated. It just goes from oh, care for a gut warmer to do you want your belly be hot? <laughs> <laughs> hot tummy coming through. Um, yeah. Oh man, just like everyone just paralytically drunk and walking into. Into all sorts of dangerous objects on set. Um, yeah, we it, there's like, yeah, there's a lot of drinking in the film because it's a dinner party and we're terrified. So With we're no just food, smashing really. back the whiskey. <laughs> there is no food. My character like completely botches a roast dinner and it was disgusting, and no one eats it. I think I'm the only one mushing through potatoes, which were sort of like semi-frozen on the actual set. Um, so it's disgusting. So we're just all just like just just knocking back all these whiskeys and cocktails and wines throughout the entire film. Um, so yeah, drink along definitely. Um, it's just a it's just a really good bit of fun, and I think about filming for that a lot and all the great fun that we had making it. And I think that a part of that translates. Um, so yeah, enjoy the film and thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so you were telling me that you were starting to write your own was it was a horror comedy script is that right yeah yeah um so my my um my buddy douglas who i spoke about before um we have our own production company called sounds comic and uh, we make comedy sketches um but most of our comedy sketches have a strong horror influence usually inspired by certain types of filmmaking in different horror films uh, like we love the exorcist and we love the science of the lambs and we love all these uh, amazingly wonderful cinematic pieces of horror and so uh, we like sort of involving cinema and certain tropes and cliches into a horror sketch we did we did a horror sketch um about a year ago which is like a zombie some sort of creature zombie played by me chasing doug as he like he's running to his car and he's fumbling with the keys and I'm getting ever closer in the background. He gets into the car and he can't start the car and I'm getting closer and closer and he, he, he tries to like the handbrake's stuck and the gears are stuck and I'm getting closer and closer and then you hear a voice saying, You're in third gear, you need to put it in neutral and then it like pans out and it's like his driving instructor in the next seat, played by my dad. And so like the whole like trying to drive away from the creature, but in a driving lesson is sort of happening. And like, we love doing goofy <laughs> stuff like that, where like, <laughs> where like the horror is subverted by an incredibly like mundane, down to earth thing. Um, so we make a lot of sort of stuff like that. And um, we wrote uh, two scripts. We, we, last year we wrote a script for a, um, a horror comedy based on John Carpenter's The Thing, one of our favourite films. Great movie. Um, love that film, love that film. Um, and it was like a really silly sort of like comedy, not really a sort of spoof or lampoon like the scary movie films, uh, but more of like a sort of making its own story, but in that style and atmosphere. But um, we realised it was going to be too expensive to make. We could wait a few more years, a few more projects before we could get to that. So we wrote um, another film, which is uh, what we're working on at the moment. It's a film called Don't Come. And um, uh, it's going to be set in the UK in a single location. 
Ooh. and um, I don't know how much I can talk about it now, but it, in terms of the genre of horror, it's um, sort of like cult horror, uh, you know, to do with like, like cults and mm. um, sort of like isolated location in the British forest. Um, so it's sort of cabin in the woodsy kind of flavour of horror as well, with like a dash of some supernatural and body horror as well. Um, yeah, so oh, hope that's like so cool. that that's going to be a little interesting cocktail um, of what we can do. Uh, yeah, but I wa- I'm just wait. I'm just wondering. Cause I spoke to my agent and and the producers about this beforehand and uh, about how much I can say um, about what. It, what, it, what the it, film is but um yeah it's it's not a twist yeah. in the movie that it's a cult right like that could be left in or should that be taken in? there 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 is uh it's not it's not a spoiler and okay. it's not okay. um it's it's nothing to worry about it's not a twist um it will be a part of the the literal log line and synopsis which will be available soon Ooh. um but yeah that that sort of like um people horror that personal sort of psychological horror um, around sort of like uh, mentalities as well, but it's a very it's a horror comedy. It's also got lots of fun, silly aspects to it. But all of our comedy needs to come from um, a commitment to the horror. So the horror is actually kind of first. Love that. And then the comedy plays off that, rather than rather than sort of cooking up a a, a silly comedy film and then the horror like falling flat on its face the entire time, which would just be spoofy and this is sort of a little hackneyed. So yeah, we, we, we want to make this to be a, a good horror film in and of itself, but the way that we play it out will be kind of absurd. Um, mm. Yeah. I, I hope that's enough to tease people on. Um, and uh, later we will be able to, uh, divulge a bit more as to the specifics oh that's so cool well you know maybe when that when that comes out i'll have you back on to discuss it oh yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely i'd love that yeah that'd be so awesome maybe your buddy douglas could join i don't know we'll see but yeah uh, (laughs) he would love that he would absolutely love that and he is he's a he's brilliant at at just being a lot less rambly and and a lot more eloquent so uh yeah (laughs) oh no you weren't rambly at all you gave me lots of great Great, great information to play off of, and I loved it. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie, so much for sitting down to talk with me about you, horror, your projects, Here Comes Hell. It was such a lovely experience. I'm happy I got up so early uh, to, 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 to do this. Oh, thank you so much, Brooker, for, uh, for watching the film, for getting in touch with me, for having me on. I've absolutely loved talking to you, and... Uh, it's been a really nice trip down memory lane and uh, um, yeah and uh, and thank you so much I've, I've loved every every second of our chat thank you thank you so much and everybody again go check out uh, here comes hell I will have links in the show notes for uh, all of Charlie's stuff his uh, comics or was it sans comic sans comic sans yeah. comic sorry sans comic uh, also his art Instagram page which is amazing everybody please go check out his abstract art paintings that he does they are exquisite I really do enjoy them because you're thank you so much <laughs> you, you have obviously painted no no pun intended painted yourself as a very fun lively artsy person so um, everybody <laughs> everybody needs a little bit more Charlie Rob in their feeds um, 
thank you very much and pun very very well done <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much and um got a very fun lineup for for y'all this october just stay tuned and be sure to watch good movies and check out here comes hell once again thank you again charlie <laughs> thank you brooker thank you so much